This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Steelers Blitz here on SNR. No Motes, just Euler today. Rocking and rolling. Got a bunch of tweets I want to get to as we roll along here. Good one from Jason. Jason tweets me and says, I'm no expert. This might be better suited for Motes. But is there anything schematically that can be done to help the offensive line maybe simplify the whole less is more idea? Yeah, Jason, I, I think you touched on it right there. And, you know, this is something I am a, I am no trenches expert either, at least certainly uh, nowhere compared to Craig Wolfley and Max Starks. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to those guys in the mornings this week because so much of the conversation around the team right now is about the offensive line, understandably so. Um, and so that was something that, that Max and Wolf have, have talked about this week, simplifying, keeping things between the tackles, even though that kind of can be more difficult for young offensive linemen. It, it's, it's more simple than trying to do things schematically. And I, I just think, too, the offensive line, you, you got to be able to get in some type of groove. You know, 14 carries on Sunday – that's it's very hard when you're spending so much time pass blocking to to try and have an offensive line that that struggles in the run game to try and get that thing moving in the right direction. I think you have to simplify and I think you have to stay committed. It's kind of the classic, you know, what's the example I'm looking for here? Like Rocky Balboa, right? Like you got to work the body. You got to work the ribs, you got to work the body, you got to tenderize that meat, right? And, and until eventually you wear the defensive line down, eventually you're able to open up some some lanes and and let Najee Harris make some plays. But there has to be the commitment to it. What was it 10 carries for Najee on Sunday? That's not nearly enough. For your first round pick, for a guy that talented, 10 carries, I, I realize you fell behind in the game and things like that, but that's not nearly enough. You got to simplify. You got to stay committed, and and I know that that can be hard to do when 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 you know when your running back struggling, when your offensive line struggling. But you're you're just not going to have much success there, point blank. Period. If you're only running the ball 14 times a game, that's got to change. And a big part of that is obviously how the game plays out. You can't fall behind early. But even if you fall behind three points, even if you fall behind a touchdown, it's not time to go RPO and, and just throw the ball and and let Ben call plays a line of scrimmage and, and throw the ball 40, 45 times. You still can't do that. There, there's no justification for that to me anymore, particularly when your quarterback got hit 10 times last week and and now is dealing with a pectoral injury as well. A bunch of more tweets to get to on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. That's where you find me. I did want to play a little bit of Mike Tomlin uh, from his weekly press conference yesterday and then address some of the things that, that Coach T discusses because – as you all know, he he's a guy who makes no excuses. That is one of my favorite things about Mike Tomlin. Doesn't matter if they've got a full roster. Doesn't matter if they're like, down seven starters or seven injuries, two starters like they are right now. Mike Tomlin talking about how they will be prepared to play. Here's what the head coach had to say yesterday.
Good afternoon, everyone. Bob Pompiani here, soon to be joined by Missy Matthews as we get you set for a Tomlin Tuesday. Mike Tomlin press conference coming at you. We welcome all those watching on Pittsburgh CW as well as the Steeler media platforms, the digital platforms they have available for you. Steelers, get ready for... Good afternoon. As always, I'll start with a quick summary of our last performance. Much like we talked about after the game, um, it's about playmaking, particularly in the second half of the game. Uh, at halftime, I called a group up before we went back out on the field, and I said, the team that makes the most significant plays in situational football in the second half is going to win these game, this game. And so the situational element of play was going to be big in, in a close contest, and it was. Uh, the Vegas Raiders just made more possession down and in, in red zone and situational like plays than we did in the second half. And so we accept responsibility for that. Um, we, we looked at the tape yesterday. Um, obviously, there were other areas that, that lacked perfection, but I'm talking about just in terms of the weighty plays of the game, that third and 10 where they uh, hit a 61-yard touchdown, obviously being a significant one, uh, but there were several significant situational plays that they made on both sides of the ball, and, and we didn't. In those close, close ball games, some special team splash, uh, could give you a leg up like it did in week one. Uh, we didn't get that splash in teams, although teams were solid. I thought our punt team, for instance, was was really solid and and, and did a good job in terms of keeping us, um, keeping them on the long field. Um, but we didn't get the splash that we needed uh, to, to swing the tide. And so um, we're learning as we move forward. Um, there were some injuries in game that affected us uh, in game and affect us from a preparation standpoint. Um, Tyson Alualu, as you guys know, uh, has been placed on IR. He had ankle surgery on Monday. Um, and so he'll begin the, the rehab process. Uh, we have some new injuries to contend with. Um, Alex Highsmith with a groin. Um, TJ Watt with a groin. So we're dealing with something there at, at that positional group. Um, ben has a, has a pec um, injury of some kind on his left pec. Um, that could affect him in, from a preparation standpoint. Um, don't have an idea how much as I sit here right now, uh, but we better be ready to be adjustable and, and, and deal with that. And obviously we got Devin Bush and, and Joe Hayden who missed last week um, who are working their way back and their participation will be our guide or non-participation will be our guide in terms of analyzing their availability. Deontay uh, got hurt at, at late, late in the game from a knee standpoint. Um, you know, he's looking better, but not to be confused with great. So uh, we'll follow him and, and, and his health as we get through the week. So we got a lot of irons in the, in the fire, if you will, from a health standpoint. Thankfully, in today's NFL, with the, with the flexibility of practice squads and so forth, we, we have all the answers in-house. Uh, I'm not necessarily worried about the injury in terms of our expectations, in terms of our performance. We have a week to prepare um, with known issues. In-game injuries cause more problems than known issues like, like you're faced with here at the top of the week. So we'll build a plan to highlight the men that we know will be available to us. We'll leave the light on for some that are in question, and we'll go in that stadium and be prepared to play. Um, let's talk about Cincinnati Bengals for a while, man. They're, they're, they're a quality group, obviously, um, playing really good football. I'll uh, start on the defensive side of the ball, man. Um, really impressive tape. Um, the, the, the interior up front um, is, is, is much improved, man. When you really look at them, the collection of men and the depth of that talent that they have on the interior up front. 
um, 98, 65, 92, 68. Um, boy, they run, they run deep um, with those interior people. They're big men. Uh, they clog up the interior um, of the defense. They minimize the running game. They got quality edge people uh, in Henderson and Hubbard. Uh, they went out and got Trey uh, from New Orleans. Man, he had 13 sacks in 2020. Hubbard's been a mainstay for them at end for a number of years since they drafted him out of a Ohio State. I uh, can't say enough about the disruption that I'm seeing from their front. They're also very versatile and multiple up there, so they do a good job schematically uh, with those collections of people. Um, the safety tandem is, is, is really salty, man. Two veteran quality players, man. Jesse Bates is playing great football. Um, physical tackling, I thought that, that hit and tackle in overtime, man, to cause a fumble, man, was a big play, and it's really just kind of representative uh, of the spirit in which he's playing with and Von Bell is playing with. They're a formidable tandem. They've been together for a number of years now. Uh, both are very versatile. They can play on the back end. They can play down. They're both a good blitzers. Um, that's a challenging group. Um, Logan Wilson inside, 55, man, uh, made some splash plays as a rookie for him last year. We saw him some. Uh, he started for him some. He appears to be an all-down guy. That's kind of their hub of communication and, and really making big-time plays for him. Man, that interception he had last week um, really gave him a chance to get back in that Chicago game. Uh, he's just a well-rounded player with a well-rounded skill set. Um, they include him into, into, the, into the blitz game some on third down. Um, and, he, and he's a big-time interior blitzer. Um, they got a lot of challenges for us on that side of the ball, not only in terms of their quality of players, but the schematics. Um, they got good schematics, man. They've, they found a home. You see some high-volume things, some things that show up a lot. They do those things well, and that's what good defenses do. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, it's a multi-pronged challenge for us. Um, Joe, um, Joe Mixon is the second-leading rusher in the NFL. Um, it does not escape us, man, that their offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, is back. Um, he was their offensive line coach in 2018 when Joe led the league in, in rushing. And so he's back this year, and, and you're seeing the fruit of that relationship. He also carries the title of run game coordinator now. And so you see his impact, um, you know, on their schematics. Um, but they also have Joe Burrow in a, in a ridiculous collection of, of, of eligibles. Uh, Joe's really talented. Um, he, he can make all the throws, man. His intellect is exceptional. Um, he's got, he's got a great receiving core. Tyler Boyd has been inside for a long time and is elite in that area. Um, is a matchup challenge, uh, always on possession downs and so forth. It's funny, man. We used to always work to neutralize him with Mike Hilton, uh, but we'll be playing against Mike Hilton, uh, this week. Uh, and Mike is being Mike. He's doing great things for him on the other side. Um, and outside, man, they got Higgins and Chase, um, and so we got to deal with those guys, and uh, they do it differently. Obviously, Higgins is a is a big-bodied guy who can make combat catches, and uh, and he's got real good fluidity for a big man. Um, and Chase is just taking the top off of coverages the last couple of weeks. And given the, given the fact that we gave up a big one in the second half of last week on a significant moment on a possession down, that that has our attentions as well. Um, you know, their special teams, man, they got big time. Uh, continuity in their special teams. Their coordinator has been there probably longer than Danny Smith has been here, and they've had some some formidable matchups over the years. And so, man, we got a hot a hot kitchen this weekend in Pittsburgh, man. AFC North ball. Um, we got some challenges along the way. Um, those challenges don't bring us down. Those challenges inspire us. Um, 
this is a coach's week, man. We got to work. We got to put these guys in position to perform, minimize our weaknesses, lean on our strengths, while at the same time combating the things that, that the Cincinnati Bengals do and do well. So I'm excited about that, and I'll pause because I've talked enough and, and open it up for questions. Mike, do you know how Ben hurt his peck? And uh, second part of the question is, are you considering making any changes on the offensive line? Um, I'll answer the second part first. I'm not. Um, and, and the answer to the first part is I don't know specifically when Ben uh, got injured in game. I don't know that he does. You know, sometimes just in the midst of competition, adrenaline and so forth, you just don't know. It, it, sometimes things just come up after. Mike, talking with Ben after the game, he said there's not a no-huddle option in the offense and something that he's used for a long time. Is that something that was taken out, and would you consider adding that back in as the season goes on? He was probably referencing last week. You know, it wasn't in the plan last week. Um, man, we don't try to limit ourselves in any way. Um, last week's plan is last week's plan. This week's plan could be this week's plan. Um, and so... You know, that's the mentality that I have and we have. Obviously, you guys have watched us for any length of time, know that we're no huddle capable. Mike, after the Buffalo game, you said you liked the physicality that the offensive line showed. The results have not been there in the running game through two weeks. What needs to, to happen to turn that physicality into production? We just got to keep working, you know. Um, you know, development is that. It's development. It doesn't happen in an instant. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, we're sensitive to that. But at the same time, there's urgency. Um, because, man, we got ball games to win in the midst of all of this. And so um, it is a component of it. And so we'll continue to work that balance of doing what, is, doing what we have to do in an effort to pursue victory while at the same time growing individually and collectively in some areas where we're extremely young or inexperienced from a cohesion standpoint. Uh, Mike, have Ben and your receivers been on the same page as much as you've liked thus far in the season? Largely, yes, for sure. Mike, following up on Will's question a little bit about the run game, what are you seeing? What have you seen from Najee in the first eight quarters of football here? And are you coaching him in terms of his contribution to the run game? With 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 each passing quarter that you mentioned, he's been better. And and not that that's unexpected. I think, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the cohesion and the development and the comfortability of the of of the blockers, but the same could be said for the runner who's also played eight quarters of NFL football. He was better last week than he was in week one in terms of the things that we value, maybe some things that aren't valued to the naked eye, but just our professionalism things, mechanic things, technical things. And so um, he's going to continue to get comfortable. And by comfortable, I mean understanding that your, pr that your pr uh, preparation sets you up for, 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 for performance. And um, that's something that a young guy has to get comfortable with. Why, why do we do what we do on a Wednesday? And what does it do in terms of setting me up uh, for success on a Sunday? He's been through a couple of weeks. He's been through a couple of those cycles. He's gaining an understanding about what the process does in terms of setting him up for performance. And thus, it should put him in position to let his natural talents come out and play. And so um, I'm expecting him to, to get routinely better uh, with each outing and, and excited about that. Mike, in attempting to improve the run game, why not use Derek Watt? 
that's an option as well. Like I like I mentioned in regards to no huddle, we got a limited number of snaps that we that we have available to us from a preparation standpoint, and we make decisions week in and week out based on based on matchups and our perceived strengths versus their potential see perceived strengths. And so, Derek is a valued member of our team. He's the captain of our special teams. He's a very credible fullback. Some weeks he's going to be featured. Some weeks he's going to not be featured. And sometimes it might not have anything to do with his capabilities. It's just the nature of this thing. James Washington is a very capable receiver. Some weeks he gets more opportunity than others. Oftentimes you get questions like that when you're unsuccessful. I get it, um, but it doesn't change our approach. Yeah, Mike, specifically on the 61-yard on the touchdown play, uh, what it, Mick had said, 110% on him, but I can't imagine that there weren't others that were culpable on that play. What, what was the breakdown exactly? We're all culpable, starting with me. Um, we got to make smarter calls. We got to we got to play faster. Um, we got to keep a lid on it. Um, I seek no comfort in regards to the things that we fail at. Um, we own that, no question. Mike, j just one more about the run game. Um, just 35 running plays in these last two weeks. Is that a product of playing from behind? And you know things that our opponents do. Um, there are many layers to that discussion. Mike, did you feel like Ben Roethlisberger took too many hits in that game? And what are some of the things you can do to keep him on his feet more often? Yeah, he did. Um, he took too many hits. We can run the ball better. Um, we can get the ball out of his hand quicker. We can stay on schedule and, and not get behind the sticks and, and get in situations where the line to gain is so far that, that, that it enhances the rush. Uh, Mike, Pat's seen more snaps than Eric Ebron. Uh, Pat Frymuth has seen more uh, snaps than Eric Ebron in the first two games. How have you felt about his taking on the week-to-week -week challenges as a young tight end? And uh, with five, he's caught all five of his targets. Is, do you guys think that you're going to work the ball to him maybe more? Much like the outside linebackers, guys, I'm not going to come in here and, and carve out um, snap distributions to you guys and explain it week in and week out. We've got viable players, some at the same position, and we're going to utilize all of them and really want to highlight their individual talents, whatever they may be, um, whether it's matchup related or whether it's schematics and the things that we're trying to do. Um, Pat, like all the other young guys that we've been talking about, is really getting better with each, with, with each opportunity and is reasonable to expect that to continue. He has been a really positive contributor to our efforts thus far, so I'm excited about what the short-term and the long-term future holds for him. Mike, I think across the league there's been 10 or 11 taunting families, including one of your guys. Part of the competition committee, I assume you were for that. Or you like how that's been officiated through two weeks? Um, I hadn't looked at it globally. You know, I've been focused on the stadiums that we are in. But all of us, to a man, um, acknowledge that that's something that needed to be addressed. That's why it's a point of emphasis, and that's why none of us are surprised um, of the number in terms of being increased. The players will adjust. Um, they always do. Um, they better adjust quickly. And, and specifically, speaking of mine, Mike, how is Carlos Davis's knee, and how do you work that distribution without Tyson? Or in there? You know, um, we'll, we'll see. We hadn't practiced yet this week. Um, we'll let his participation be our guide in terms of where he is. Um, but obviously, he, he you know, is a guy that has a chance to have an expanded role. Uh, Isaiah Bugs is a guy that has a chance to have an expanded role. Um, but we've called on those guys in an expanded capacity in the past. I think Bugs had a couple of significant games for us at Baltimore late in the year last year. Uh, where he had an expanded role, and we expect him to deliver, and we expect Carlos to deliver if called upon in an increased fashion. 
Mike, there was an emphasis in the offseason of Ben getting on the same page with Matt Canada, learning the new offense. How do you evaluate the two of them through two weeks? Are they on the same page or are they communicating as you'd expect? Very much so. Um, the communication has been really good. Um, I like the growth, the direction of that growth. Um, they're one and one like I'm one and one. We're all one and one. Um, if that's what you're asking in terms of evaluation of where we are, uh, we're a one and one football team. Mike, how tricky are groin injuries and how careful do you have to be? Because it seems like, you know, the, the degree of severity, it, it might be hard to find out when guys are ready and when it's maybe too soon to force them to come back. And that's why I'm not making any drastic statements about the availability of any of these guys because the, the degree of the injury um, changes the prognosis and the man, the man himself, um, you know, changes the prognosis. And so, you know, we'll, we'll give guys an opportunity that are close enough to health to practice. We'll give them an opportunity to practice during the course of the week. And if they practice, we'll look at the quality of that practice or how much they practice and let that be a guide for us in terms of their potential participation. I'll also say this, man, some more established players can play um, on less prep than others, and we've had that discussion in the past. And so um, there are a lot of variables at play, but not overly concerned about it. It's, you know, it's the, it's the tightrope that we walk week in and week out. Mike, what do you take away from the two games that you guys faced this team last year, especially with Burrow at the helm and just how you've seen him grow from last year to this year? You know, I hadn't really thought a lot about it, to, to be honest with you. I've been looking at their 21, 2021 tape and our 2021 tape. Uh, the components of it are significantly different. Like one of the ones, one of the things I mentioned is Mike Hilton plays for them. Sean Davis plays for them. Um, you know, Jamar Chase is a, a new component on the offensive side for them. Frank Pollock, their run game coordinator, is back, having been gone since 18. Um, man, the, the wheels keep turning. Um, n make no mistake about it. It'll be a reference in some form or fashion at some point in the week, but they're more current things to glean quality information from and plan around um, at this juncture of the week. Um, Mike, Jameer Jones is a guy, came in here as an undrafted uh, rookie, or second-year guy, excuse me. Now Mike get thrown into the fire this weekend in a lengthy role. What have you seen from him production-wise in-game when he, he's been in the game this season? He, he's done solidly. He did solidly in preseason stadiums. He you know, reg registered production in those games, tackles, pressures, sacks, et cetera. Um, has been a quality special teamer for us. Um, he had a tackle last week, I think, on punt um, in the Vegas game. And so, you know, he's doing the things that young guys do, um, the natural maturation process. They show you glimpses of offense and defense, um, and so they develop in that area all the while. They're productive special teams players, and he has been that. Um, and they wait for their opportunities on offense or defense. Um, you know, James Pierre is a guy that wa walked a similar path a year ago, and now James Pierre is a regular contributor on defense. And so he's going through that. He might get an increased opportunity to participate this week due to the misfortune um, circumstances involving others, but that's just the nature of this thing. That's why every man is viable. Every man is working with great urgency. Um, and when I ring their bell, they, they, they better answer. You know, you guys have gotten to know guys like Robert Spillane under similar circumstances because of someone else's misfortune. And so uh, we're all excited for guys like Jay Jones. Uh, in circumstances like this, if he gets an opportunity to have an increased role. We expect those guys to step through that crack in the door and elevate themselves from a career standpoint. Mike, you talk about the how, the growth between year one and year two. Burroughs in his second year, what do you, what are you seeing through two games 
this year that maybe you didn't see last year? They're better positioned to answer that than I am, to be quite honest with you. I know you guys get an opportunity to talk to Coach Taylor tomorrow. Um, I, I'm, I'm viewing it from an outsider perspective. And so, you know, I just, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I haven't looked at it in that way. Um, last year, I looked at them last year in an effort to beat them when we played them in November. And I've been looking at them this year in an effort to beat them this year. And I hadn't really pondered a lot of that developmental stuff. I'm just looking at what's on tape in 2021. Mike, did you have to talk to uh, Trey Turner at all about how he reacted to a situation that was, you know, almost understandable, but not? You did I lose, didn't. You did lose a guy for 12 I minutes. I didn't. Um, much like I mentioned after the game, Trey is no kid. Um, he's very cerebral, largely. And, um, you know, he understands what that circumstance did to us collectively as a team. Um, he was more than apologetic. It required no meeting. Mike Tomlin yesterday on Tomlin Tuesday down on the SAS side. And, oh, boy, coach. I <laughs> love the honesty, honestly. And a lot of – love the honesty, Honestly, what am I a department of redundancy department, but great stuff there. I thought from Mike Tomlin and you know, that's what you want to hear from, from your head coach. I think when you're in the current situation that you're in, you know, that um, there's no excuses. We'll still be prepared to play um, regardless of who and who isn't available to us. It's the Steelers blitz here on SNR. I wanted to get to some of your tweets, some of your reaction. Uh, Steeler bomb 2030. Tweets me and says, Game of Thrones, season one. King Robert said, what's bigger, the number five or the number one? And then held up five fingers and one fist. I think the offensive line looks like five linemen instead of one unit. It needs to gel, and I think Dotson needs to be the guy to get that going. Steeler Bomb, that's a great analogy. I'm always here for Game of Thrones references and drops. You're right. The offensive line does look like five linemen instead of one unit. We spent a lot of time coming into this season. Uh, Arthur Motes and I... I think anybody else that was doing shows here on SNR, and I know I talked about this on my solo show on ESPN Pittsburgh, offensive line is maybe the the one unit in the National Football League that can really play above its head, right? Where the, the whole can be greater than the sum of its parts. If your five offensive linemen are cohesive, if they play like a, a singular unit, yeah, you can quite often outperform what maybe the individual talent level is. I guess the other side of that equation, right, is... If you are a little devoid of talent and experience, maybe like the Steelers' offensive line is, and you're playing as five linemen instead of one unit, then it looks like it's looked the past two weeks, I think particularly on Sunday against uh, the Raiders. Good observation there by Steeler Bomb. Steelers Man 7 tweets me and says, listening to Coach Tomlin again today, one takeaway I got was development is development. I don't think we can grade our guys until it's turkey time. This was another thing that we discussed. I think particularly on offense, the, the Steelers offense, it was never going to be a Mona Lisa, right, in September. It just wasn't. But there has to be improvement week by week. You have to see that development being development. Because, yes, I, unlike last year where we were all crowning the Steelers and, you know, 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, we're talking about, ah, well, Steelers, Kansas City, collision course in the AFC championship game. I would rather that be the other way around this time. I would. I would rather the Steelers, you know, us be feeling good about this team in November and December as opposed to September and October. But you got to, the development is development, and that's absolutely true, but you have to see it on a week-by-week basis. And sometimes development isn't always linear. Annie tweeted us this on Monday, I think. 
sometimes you take a step forward and then two steps back. If Sunday was was two steps back against the Raiders, fine. But you got to take a step forward on Sunday against the Bengals. You have to. Schedule ain't getting any easier. Yeah, you got to go to Lambeau. You got Seattle. You got some good teams coming up on the schedule. You got to get this thing moving in the right direction against the Bengals. You heard Mike Tomlin there. He said a lot of nice things about the Cincinnati defense. But this is a defense that they have to be able to gain some ground against. Sensei tweets me and says, I'm wondering why we don't see any screens for Najee. We do a lot of wide receiver screens. Let's get Najee in on that. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they think it's too much for the offensive line. Too many moving parts. But you got, you got to find ways to get Najee the ball more. What, 16 carries against Buffalo and one reception, 17 touches. I think he had, um, I'm, I, I just drew a blank, but 10 carries and a couple receptions on Sunday against the Raiders. That's not enough. He needs to be up over 20 touches. He's young, he's fresh, he's talented. You have to commit to getting him the football. And Steeler Rocker 73 tweets me and says, not in typical fashion, but does it seem like this season could be more of a rebuild than anticipated Steeler style? Same high expectations, of course, but let's not forget, it took a 6-10 and 10 season to get Ben. 2003 wasn't a planned rebuild to get a franchise quarterback. I definitely think there's some parallels you can draw there, Steeler Rocker, for sure. They want to compete this season. They still have expectations this season, but it does feel like a lot of guys are singing for their supper, playing for their future, particularly on that offensive line and particularly in that secondary. And that all plays into the development stage. If you're not perfect in September, that's one thing. But we've got to see these guys get better into October, into November, and I I certainly think a lot of these guys are playing for a role in what would be 2022. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved, to get to more of your tweets on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.